This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. He just let everything go. He didn't give a crap about anything. He just, <laughs> yeah. he, he, I mean, you saw the things he said. He was dropping know? F-bombs. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. yeah like- Welcome to Game Dev Advice, the game developers podcast. Your place for resources and in-depth conversations with other game development professionals. I'm your host, John J.P. Podlasic. I've worked at 10 different game companies, starting back in 1989 with the TurboGrafx-16. Over the decades, I've developed games like Mortal Kombat, Avengers Initiative, Beavis and Butthead, and numerous others. I now work for a startup called Level X. But this podcast isn't about me. It's about you and the game development community. So if you have questions or ideas, give a call. 224-484-7733 or go to the gamedevadvice.com website. So let's kick things off with the new Game Dev Advice. Tonight's guest is Joshua Sway. He spent over two decades working in video game development as a director on key franchises such as Mortal Kombat, Fight Night, and Tony Hawk. Having studied film in college, He accidentally got into game development and put his filming career on hold. His new documentary, Insert Coin, brings him back to his roots with a subject he holds dear. It was released on November 25th and is available for streaming and viewing at selected theaters. Hey, Josh, how are you doing tonight? Good, John. Thanks for having me. It's uh, nice to chat again, as always. Yeah. So where's this call find you tonight and how are you doing with uh, COVID-19? It finds me well. You know, I'm down here in my... uh in my basement office, you know, like a, like <laughs> a little, <laughs> like a little bunker. And, yes. uh, I, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think COVID <laughs> given the the craziness in the world and, you know, the COVID stuff and everything, I mean, you know, you know I can't really complain from, I can work from home. I've been working on this film in my basement anyway, so not yeah. a whole lot has changed and, uh, you know, everyone, everyone is healthy. So I, you know, I can't complain. That's I'm great. just hope that people who are out there that are, you know, that have fallen ill are you know, recovering well and such. And no, it's great to hear. And, yeah, I'm exactly the same way. I'm just, I've got a bunker basement office <laughs> down here and I am very lucky like yourself that nobody close to me is sick and I'm not sick and um, yeah. we're able, able to work remote. All right. Before getting into uh, Insert Coin, can you talk a little bit about your other role right now and what you got going on with that? So, you know, right now I'm, uh, yeah, I'm taking a break from the traditional video game industry. You know, I've been in it mm-hmm. for a long time and, and I took some time off initially to basically finish this film. Um, but at yeah. the same time, I, you know, I'm working with a um, with a company called uh, Edge Experiential, and I've been doing a lot of experiential design. 
Um, and it, hmm. it's been really interesting. It's been kind of, uh, it encompasses just a lot of things that I'd always been interested in or have been doing, you know, for a long time. I mean, part of it's game mm-hmm. design or interactive entertainment, part of it's filmmaking. So, you know, we're, you know, I have a large project over at the, um, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles that we're designing out. Oh, wow. Uh, that's that's tour. a new one, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a new one. So, and we, we designed out this entire tour for the stadium. And then I have another project out in New York that I can't talk about, but it's a mm-hmm. this chance to help design a incredibly immersive theater and mm-hmm. the film and producing the film content for it um, all cool. at the same time. So yeah, so it, it's been neat to kind of expand my range after so many years in uh, in video game design. Even though I miss video game development, um, mm-hmm. it's been it's been nice to just kind of see what else is out there. So I watched Insert Coin the other night, and oh, nice. um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was I actually learned a few things too, which you know That's I was great. there from two thousand to two thousand eight, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew a lot of the the people in it, obviously, but there yeah. was stuff that I learned. So um, the story and the people and, yeah, you know, oh, I thanks. think it's fantastic. When did you first have the idea to make this film? Like, like what was the, the seed of like, I need to make this? Yeah, I, you know, I think parts of it had been in my mind for quite some time, like probably, you know, probably ever since I left Midway, which was at the tail end of 99. 90, um, right. I think what really kind of solidified for me is around... Gosh, I want to say it was 2013. Polygon had had asked to do a profile of myself mm. and, and my career in game development, and it was it was yeah. a I mean it was a very flattering article that they did about me. I saw and, that article. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so talked to um, the writer of it. You know, when he was interviewing me, you know, I was I was talking about just you know my career trajectory, um, but particularly with Midway and how the games were and how they were created, who created them, and how one game led to another. And as I was talking about it, I thought to myself, like, you know, these these are stories that are for myself. They're kind of secondhand. It was like secondhand nature for me to just be able to talk so easily about them. But as I was talking about them, he was like, well, I didn't know this was related to that and how everything's connected. And so Mm -hmm. later on, it kind of dawned on me. It's like, you know what? A lot of people know about these games and a lot of people have probably seen, let's say, just individual YouTube videos about NARC or Mortal Kombat or NBA Mm -hmm. Jam, but never tied it together. And so I felt like, you know what, that's like, you know, I have enough knowledge that I can probably create a pretty compelling narrative of how this era was formed and how these games came together. Because, you know, because nothing great is created in a vacuum. We know it, you know, things always evolve from something else. And so Mm -hmm. that kind of stuck with me. So I thought, you know, this would be a good story to tell. And I really wasn't quite sure about it, but I thought, you know, I'll make the effort to at least film enough interviews with people that I used to work with to get a trailer together and yeah. and really maybe I'll put it up on Kickstarter just to see if there's enough interest. Like I wasn't really thinking about it as a Kickstarter project, but I thought well, right. you know, somebody had told me it's a really good way to see if if the idea is good. Because if you, you know, if you put it Validation, out Validation, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's crickets or other people like yep. throwing money at you. It's Absolutely. Like, okay. So like, you know, this, this way I'm not spending you know, tons of time on a project that potentially I'm the only one who's interested in. So, right, right. yeah. So, so yeah. that's so that's basically how how it all got started. So, how did the Kickstarter process go for you? It went really well. You know, first I was able to talk to a few people who have had uh, pretty successful Kickstarters, and they gave me some mm-hmm. great advice on what to do. You know, ahead of them, how to pre-plan everything. Yeah, and so yeah, it's key. People don't realize just how much work it is. Like all the ones that are successful, you know that they just you know months and months getting ready for it. And mm-hmm. so 
um, you know, I put it up there, you know, I was able, you know, because of my relationship with many people in, in, in particular in the games media from my, from my years in game development, you know, I was able to generate a lot of PR for it and it went really well. And it was really funny because I was told that, Hey, when you do a large Kickstarter project, you know, you'll have this big surge in the beginning and then the middle slows down a lot. It just grinds to a halt. But then at yeah. the end, it'll surge up again, you know, um, and that's usually, you know, just the way it works. Mm-hmm. And so luckily, I knew that ahead of time. And so th- mm-hmm. so that's exactly what happened. And during the the middle part, when it really slowed down, I just went on vacation with my family and just ignored the Kickstarter and then came right. back for like the last few days of it to see it surge back up again. And right. uh, just because I didn't want to get stressed out about it, you know, just like yeah, know, keeping my eyeballs on it constantly. You know, it it went really well, went above my goal, uh, which I set at a fairly mm-hmm. high number because a lot back then, this is the early days of Kickstarter. Back then, people would put like ludicrously low numbers in there just so they can get the goal. And then uh-huh. the, I think the traditional hundred dollars, I'll make this. Film. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Back then, like the uh, the the the, uh, the traditional wisdom was have it be super low because once it hits its goal, then it's going to skyrocket. And I and I thought that was kind of bullshit. I was like, yeah, I don't know oh. about that. You know, that's too risky because the thing is, if I start if I set it too low and it's and it it hits. It, it, it hits it, but it only stays that low. Now I'm suddenly committed to doing it. Right. And I have to do it at a really, at a really low budget, and right. so so I just thought, yeah, I just thought, you know what, this, yeah, I figured out a number that I thought was okay. This is what I'd be comfortable with, um, mm-hmm. and that's it. So if it doesn't hit that, then like you know, you know, yeah. I I don't, you know, yeah, I can just move on. And so uh, and so, luckily, it went beyond that, and then after that, we're you know off to the races. And, and what year was this? Um, this um, it was uh, yeah, it was in twenty fifteen, like late twenty fifteen. So tell us about how you did the research and the and the archive digging. Like like there's oh, a lot man. of stuff there, and you know you're probably digging up Super Eight tapes and all yeah. that kind of, uh, <laughs> stuff that I have sitting in boxes. Yeah, I had a lot of materials myself just from my own personal collection, but it wasn't enough for a mm-hmm. documentary. But I thought it's enough to at least get started with. And this is this is you know an example of sometimes like you know, like the whole ignorance is bliss type thing where like, I, I didn't know <laughs> right. what I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, so I went in thinking I'm going to, I'll do all these interviews and then I'll try to see if I can find the materials. I was so focused on the people, you know, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to be interviewing people that I used to work with. And so I was really excited about that. And they were excited about it. So I kind of yeah. did that first. And just a side note, what I ended up learning is that that's totally backwards from the way you should do some of these <laughs> documentaries. Like, yeah, and, and there's right. no, there's no one way to do documentaries, but advice that I got that I found, or somebody told me much later in the process was find all of your archival materials first, and then create your story around it you know uh, and and that your, makes that's your base not the exactly okay. exactly and yeah. and it totally made sense you know like i don't know if you've uh-huh. seen that show uh, house hunters like on hgtv you know like uh-uh. you know it's basically a couple goes out and they research three different houses and then they choose which one is right for them. It's a, you know it's a it's a big show on hgtv and uh-huh. it, it turns out that i found out that the secret to that show is that they've already bought the house so they know which one they're getting and then they're just shooting backwards uh-huh. from there so right, this is right. the same analogy what ended up happening was that I it, it was just like a, it was just a combination of just good luck and timing. Was that I got half of the interviews, and then from there I started stringing what I thought was a story together, just based on what I had. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, I was looking, you know, at various archives of you know of old videos, and you know, in like a lot of the people that I interviewed, they had high A tapes or VHS sitting around. So I would just collect all of these. So 
one of the things that happened that I was very lucky about was uh, Ken Fidesna, who was the who was the vice president uh, of Midway Kenny's back awesome. in the Kenny's awesome, right? Yeah, um, he turns out that he like went to Midway when Midway was going bankrupt and was throwing all their stuff out. He went in. Oh. And saved like almost all of the Midway video archives. Wow. Uh, there was tons and tons of Betacam, three quarter, you know, yeah, three yeah. quarter tapes, VHS and stuff like that. They were all huh. in in the creative media department. They were about to throw them right. out. And he got the heads up, like, hey, you know what? They're throwing the stuff out. Come in and, you know, save what you can. So right. he went in, saved all these tapes, and he had it at his office um, at, oh, at his new sweet. company, uh, Team yeah. Play. And okay. so for the longest time, I was trying to get Kenny to be interviewed um mm-hmm. for the documentary he just didn't want to do it he just you know for various reasons yeah. and, and and i understand it's it's tough to get interviewed about things and right. so what ended up happening was that i you know i found out that he had these tapes and so mm-hmm. i just told him was like kenny you know if you don't want to be in the video i totally respect that but can you give me access to your tapes and he's like yeah of course you know what's mine is yours go you know as long as i get mm-hmm. them back go take whatever yeah. you need and so i had that access to this good. and and yeah and that was a gold mine and that that literally saved the documentary and again like had i been more experienced i would have done mm-hmm. that first and then and then did the interviews <laughs> did then did the then commit myself to the documentary but i had already been committed so luckily yeah. it saved my ass um and so a lot of the footage come from kenny's archives now one of the right. cool things is that because i was always hanging out at ken's office looking through these mm-hmm. tapes i was able to wear them down and after six months <laughs> after six months of asking um, i finally i went right. into his office and i was well, completely right. yeah I was completely yeah. prepared and this one is like, hey, Kenny, you know, I'm here, you know, why don't we just just have a quick chat on video? And if you don't like what's going on, <laughs> then I won't use it, you know, and right. and then finally, he's just like, all right, let's do it. He was in a good mood that day. And so, yeah, it's like, <laughs> a, and that was very late in the process of the film. And uh, and he mm-hmm. like, yeah, as you've seen in the film, he's kind of like the glue of the film. He, he is. Just, so I was going to say, like, he gives context for everything. And yeah, he was there like since like, what, 71 or something yeah. like that? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, all the way in the back in the early heydays with pinball and and yeah. here, here, here's something crazy is that in his office and he just recently donated all this to the uh, strong museum of play out in rochester new york he had hmm. a shelf with gigantic binders in them and they're all like the binders were like like seriously about six inches thick of just okay. paper and then he had a whole shelf of these and i asked him what those were and he said that those are all my notes i've taken over the years i'm like holy shit you know wow. and so he basically said like yeah ask me a question about any of the games games any date you know that you can think of and i and i probably have something for it so you really? know I, yeah and, and i think i threw something out like you know well how much did wrestlemania make in you know november 1994 you know um how, how <laughs> right. much how, how many quarters did it do that you know did it generate that month and he goes yeah. through his things and he found it right there he had all the information Damn. you know which arcades made how much money and all these things it, it was insane right, right. Yeah, that, that is wild. And um, I have nothing but respect for Kenny. I, I always enjoyed working with him. And uh, he is kind of a low-key, yeah. you know, he, he's not like the center of attention. And he's just yep. this smart, steady, good person. Um, yeah, Ken was really a great example of this is that because, you know, because of the stuff that we're talking about is like 20 plus years old now. Um, yeah. Everybody was super candid. So once Ken started talking, he just opened up about so many things. That was one of the things I was really grateful about was mm-hmm. the the candidness of everybody talking about, you know, about working at Midway. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was kind of surprised by how candid some people were, to be quite right. honest with you. But it was great because, it's a, you know, this, yeah, it's been a long passage of time. Yeah, time passed. Passes and then people are more open to talking about things and it's like, yeah, 
I can talk about this. The world's not going to end. You know, exactly. so, uh, <laughs> I remember, man, there was one time we were, we were working on MK Deadly Alliance or Deception. I can't remember which one it was, but we walked into his office and there was just like a bug, you know, after an all-nighter and there was like a <laughs> slowdown bug with like the PAL version. And we we're just like, oh, we sent the discs and they were wrong. And he's like, well, maybe, oh. you know, but he was very cool about it, right? Yeah. He, you know, there wasn't table flipping and or any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> we, we figured it out, but I just remember like, all right, we got to tell Kenny and I was like, I'll go down there with you. So we walked down there and talked to him and he was cool and level-headed and we took care of the situation. He didn't freak out and he wasn't. Yep. Um, so what about, you know, some other kind of challenges you had to overcome? I, I mean, there's... Finding the materials. Uh, I got very lucky on them. I, it, the, there were times where mm-hmm. I literally had tapes that had no labels on them that I would ignore. <laughs> and then I would look at them and realize this was exactly what I needed for a certain segment. I mean, there were so many times where that happened that it's like... like gold right yeah, here that, me, but it wasn't labeled yeah they're like little miracles so, so that you know obviously that you know that was a big deal i think you know the other thing is just you know certain people were, were hard to get you know so like i said like kenny mm-hmm. was you know ken you know took i, yeah, I keep not like yeah i got to wear him down and stuff and like you know mark tremel you know it's uh yeah i had interviewed him earlier mm-hmm. for the trailer but then getting him to come back and he's a busy guy but getting him to come back for right. the actual film itself took a while to do um mm-hmm. and and again i don't blame them because it's, i put some of these people through the grinder i mean we were having like multiple two to three hour sessions of interviews right. and so yeah. and you know a lot of people don't realize when it comes to documentaries you know you have at minimum a hundred to one ratio of exactly. shot yeah shot footage to what you ended up with so you know basically trying to you know time everything and track people down was definitely a challenge i, I think the i think the biggest yeah. thing though that that hit me hard was trying to fit everything in into a feature film and having it flow quickly and getting the information out there in an interesting way without Mm -hmm. turning the film into an an encyclopedia you know what i mean i mean yeah it ultimately ultimately has to be entertaining and has to have a good steady pace to it and you know so there you know there you know there's that there's that saying like you got to learn to kill your babies (laughs) <laughs> and I had, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that ended up not being in the film that I had to cut out. And it was, it right. was excruciatingly painful. And, you know, I right, understand. You're like, this is four hours. I can't. Have yeah, no, no, seriously. Either. I, 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 I room floor. Here we go. Yeah. I had chop, a four chop, hour. Chop. Yep. I had a four hour movie. I tried to make it be episodic because that was like, it's very trendy to make episodic documentaries. But the thing is, is that is the the audience for something like that. It's there, but it's is very small. It's not something that I wanted to do my first time around. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. want to like come out with something that was like really bloated. Mm-hmm. Was not going to be more universally liked by people. And so, right. so trying to understand what should stay and what shouldn't stay, and the reasoning behind it was a real struggle for me. And you know, that ultimately- you making this decision, right? I mean, and that's the thing, yeah. And yeah. and 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 I think that was ultimately like I did not want to make the entire film pretty much by myself. You know, my that was never the goal. It was like I'm gonna, mm-hmm. yeah. I wanted to shoot it myself because there's a certain intimacy I have with the subjects that I knew that I can get really yeah. good interviews out of so mm-hmm. that part i knew i was going to do and i knew i was going to probably do the rough cut of the film but from there you know, you want to always have an editor go into your film and like you need right. to kind of walk away and let an editor take care of it because it's an extra set of eyes they're going to be more objective yeah, about perspective it. yeah exactly and that was always always the original plan but the more i started doing the film there were certain ideas in my head that I wanted in the film that I was struggling to get in. And my fear was that if I have an editor come in, 
I wouldn't be able to communicate what I was looking for and it would be lost forever. So I got really paranoid about that. And so that's why I ended up editing myself and not to toot my own horn, but I, I feel like yeah. I, I was able to pull it off because I, I took a lot of time to do it. You know, I think, yeah. you know, I think, you know, I, a professional editor probably could have gotten this film done a lot faster, but I think a lot of subtle nuances would have gotten thrown out because of, not through that person's fault, but more about, you know, me going through the process of getting my thoughts, you know, out onto the screen properly. Yeah. Um, so that was that was interesting, you know. Like I, I had, the, you know, an example was that I had to, I had a whole segment about the uh, WrestleMania game and how the wrestlers came in to Midway Chicago uh, for all the shoots yeah, yeah. and everything. And it was the first game I ever worked on, so it's very near and dear to my heart. And yeah. that segment was in the film. It was right next to the segment about Revolution X. And so we had WrestleMania, one, yeah. yeah, and then the Aerosmith one. It dawned on me that those two segments were basically telling the same story, which is right. You know, yeah, pick one, right? Yeah, 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 like you know. Hey, you know, superstars are now coming to Midway to be in our games because Mortal Kombat and NBA Jam were so successful. Mm-hmm. And but that didn't necessarily mean that you're going to come out with a good game. And so the both stories kind of had that thing going on. And right, you know, looking looking at, it, I realized, oh, I'm just you know, like they're both interesting, but you can't have two things back to back, you know. So right, so it's things right. like that I had to kind of learn. Like I had to learn how to compress story concepts into a single segment as opposed to trying to throw everything, you know, everything but the kitchen sink in. Yeah. And, and you're just like, all right, you're just kind of eyeballing like one of you have to go. And yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. Sorry, WrestleMania. Yeah. Be in the uh, extended uh, director's cut version, but yeah. uh, not, yep. not, not in this version. Um, yep. Thank God for Blu-rays, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it does feel weird when you, when you hand off the editing to somebody else, personally with this podcast, like I had a great person that was editing it and following direction and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I was like, this is content, right? That this is, this is the end result. So maybe it's my OCDness and stuff like that. But then <laughs> I, I just switch back to like, I will just go through GarageBand and just tick, tick, tick everything yeah. the way I exactly want it. And it takes longer, but the end result is like exactly what I had in my mind when I recorded it. Yeah. So kind of like what you did is like, yeah. right. What about surprises like that went better than you thought it would? Like, wow, that oh, was wow. Easy. wow, that yeah. was great. I'm not sure. I, everything seemed really hard. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think, you know what it was? I think what came out, what I would say came out easier than I thought was uh, was interviewing everybody, you know, because I wasn't yeah. quite sure. Yeah, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I don't think any of these guys hate me, so it should be pretty easy to interview them. <laughs> and luckily, right. luckily, that was the case. But um, No, Neil, there might have been a lot of animosity. Yeah, know. but, oh, no, but, yeah. you know, but and naturally, I'm glad you brought him up, because that was actually, you know, I thought to myself, out of all the interviews that's going to be toughest, is going to be Neil, you know? Right. And because I, I thought to myself, but, you know, I mean, you know, he was, you know, he's a high-level executive. He's a CEO of the company and stuff. You know, he he doesn't need to talk to me if he didn't, you know, if he didn't want to. And, right. I, and I was super lucky to get to interview because he's never done interviews before and so mm-hmm. got you know was able to get him and he and i thought i was just gonna he was just gonna be very apprehensive about these and he just let everything go he didn't give a crap about anything he just <laughs> yeah. he, he, i mean you saw the things he said he was dropping know? f-bombs yeah yeah, like, oh. yeah. And i'm like well that is neil right and you yeah, were walking around with cigar saying like did he just say that hey hope you're enjoying the show if you are please go to patreon.com backslash game dev advice We'd love to see if you can support the show and help uh, new episodes keep coming out. That's patreon.com backslash game dev advice. Thanks. Hey, it's 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and so it was like it was the Neil that I remember and stuff. And yeah. but it was like yeah, I mean, yeah, and it was amazing. He just you know he you know he's very candid about things. He has a very specific viewpoint of the world. He's you know he's very much a businessman, and it, it's interesting. And, and so he was super easy, and and really everybody was super easy. We didn't have any issues with, you know, people having mm-hmm. second thoughts about what they thought, uh, what they said or anything like that. And so that went really well. Now, the flip yeah. side of it was that everybody talks so much that now I'm going to go back to my editing problem was that, was that there was like <laughs> too much material. I mean, there was right. so much and just trying to sift through that and trying to figure out how to edit it down to, you know, a hundred minutes and have it flow and everything. You know, that was, uh, yeah, you know, that was, it was a good problem to have basically. What about a funny or odd story? Um, I'm sure you got tons of them. There was quite a few. Um, I mean, one of the more interesting things was just learning about mm-hmm. the business side of things. Like I, I understood the arcade business, but hearing it directly from Ken and Neil was really interesting. I think one All of right. the one of the funniest stories, you know, on a different in a different way, was uh, interviewing Ernest Klein uh, out in Austin, Texas. And mm-hmm. uh, Ernest is he is he's the author of Ready Player One. Right. And right. Yeah. So that you know, guy, and, right. and it's very lucky that I was able to get him. And he you know, he basically said, "Yeah, come on down to Austin." You know. I'll give you two hours and uh, you know shoot the interview. Yeah. So we rented out uh, space at an arcade, um, and they were closed, and so it was nice and quiet for us. And yeah. I'm there, and I look out my window, and this like you know DeLorean from Back to the Future drives in, and it's and it's <laughs> Ernest Klein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, like what the hell? And so he comes out, and he's a super nice guy. We do an interview. We end up interviewing for like almost four hours because the guy is an wow. encyclopedia. He's an encyclopedia of pop culture. I mean, it, it was amazing. And so yeah. we talked about all kinds of things and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, towards the end of the interview, I, you know, I see him kind of looking out the window out of his car. So I, you know, I don't wonder what's going on. And I look out yeah. and there's a crowd of kids around his DeLorean, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, Holy back to the future, back to the yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So we wrapped up the interview and he, he went out just a super nice guy. He's like, oh, Hey, let me, let me open up the car for you guys, you know, can sit Check in and out. stuff. Yeah. Right. So he opens up the car, turns on the back to the future soundtrack on the stereo <laughs> <laughs> opens up the back, brings out the hoverboard, puts it on display for them. He has wow. a ghost. He has a Ghostbusters like uh, backpack thing and everything. He's <laughs> had everything ready and just let the kids, you know, and their parents yeah. and everything to take pictures and hang out with them and everything like that. It, it was just, cool. yeah, it was just the coolest thing. The guy is just like, you know, loving mm. the moment. Yeah, he, yeah, he's such, yeah. he's so into pop culture and, but he just loves sharing it with people. And so, right. so that that was just, yeah, that was a ton of fun. If I remember right from the movie, he was very spun up about um the pleasure dome and smash tv right <laughs> exactly you know oh yeah oh, i was like yeah. wow he is pissed that, yeah, you know, yeah i remember that and it was you know smell like those kind of things hey we got this thing it's, uh, it's yeah. whatever and you know but i was like damn he is pissed and, yeah, yeah it was it was it was, it was yeah it was funny that because i you know in all honesty like i didn't even know about that and when 
Yeah. So Termel, like I hadn't interviewed Termel yet about it. And so Ernest Klein okay. was talking about it and I wasn't quite sure. I didn't quite know what he was talking about. And then mm-hmm. uh, later on, you know, I brought it up with Termel and, oh no, I didn't even bring it up. Termel brought it up himself. And, uh, and uh-huh. then I had to tell him later, like, you know, Ernest Klein talked about this thing. I didn't realize it was such a big deal. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's like Ernie, I mean, he, he really, you know, obviously, you know, it's, it's obvious from his book and, uh, you know, and from the movie Ready Player One, but he just really yeah. knows video games I mean, to a, to a deep level which is really cool yeah yeah he's very passionate about it yeah and, and i had no idea that there was that other version done that added that extra part at the end with the place <laughs> <to make it. laughs> that, that, like, they, oh, sl- that they slapped together in the day i think you know <laughs> right and it's like well and it's also manual right it, it's not um you know connect to the internet and you update yep. so you had to do the eprom so you know what yeah. percentage actually had it versus didn't because yeah. um i remember doing it we did uh a play test for the grid. We were going up to 11th hour and updating it and then you know, taking the EPROMs out and, and, and doing the play test and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Uh, I remember I remember those days. Yeah, just going to the test arcades. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like trying to get those chips in. That's hilarious. Yeah, and, all, right, all right, reboot now. All right, let's see, make yep. sure the chips work. And um, so what's next? Any sequels or director's cut? Oh man. Just- yeah, right now we're in distribution and sales mode for, for some time now. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny because I'm starting to have flashbacks to like the game testing days <laughs> because I'm um, you know the film is you know is going through QC and uh, uh, okay. and I was just like wait they have QC for films yeah and so I was like oh that's weird and so like things would come back it's like oh we, you know that we've seen these mistakes and these and I was like wow what are you talking about and I didn't you know oh, okay. I, like it, and but then I go in and I was like oh geez how did I miss that you know there's a lot of yeah, little small, on, right you've been looking at yeah, it so long so exactly yeah. exactly so so I've been going through that. But yeah, it's, it's it's cracking me up because it's you know it's nothing compared to game test, you know. And, and it's funny yeah. because I've had people ask me, it's like, well, hey, what's easier, making a film or making a game? It's like, oh, making a game is actually so much harder than making a film. Not that making a film is easy, but yeah. I always tell I always tell people there's nothing harder than making video games in any yep. enter, if, like and when it comes to any entertainment media, you know, build like mm-hmm. building, you know, building a sky. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's like you can hide a lot of stuff in films, or if you're doing animation or you know whatever you're writing a you can't solve dissolve yeah yeah exactly and it's just like you know i always have to explain to people it's like you know and it's it's nothing against what they're working on but it's just you know try try building a world that you have to think of every possible angle every possible possibility of that world Mm -hmm. and you have to take all that stuff into account you know and no matter what you do you're going to fail at it because somebody's going to find <laughs> something wrong. You know, there's going to be a bug and you just can't, you know, it's never, it's never going to be perfect, yeah. but you're trying to, you know, you're trying to do that. But, you know, but making the film itself has been super enjoyable, you know, in comparison. You know, games are just so crazy. And, and it's like, you know, you think you're there and you've got everything figured out for the most part. And then when you get into QA and it, especially if you're not testing along the way and you just put some people on it and they just trash it and they find all this stuff. And then it's like, Oh, uh, you got to fix all this. And then it's like, don't slay the messenger. Like you were just doing their job. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah like, exactly. Oh, wow. How did you find this? You yeah. Know, this like, um, oh yeah. At, at one point, somebody like I was getting tired of just the, the back and forth. And at one point it's something came back about the audio and it's like, I've never heard, mm-hmm. you know, this, you know, about this error before. So I asked my sound person, like, what is this term? And he, and he's just, he said that he's never seen that. So he said, you know, just tell the QC mm-hmm. people that, that, you know, that it's as designed. And I was like, wait, I can do. Oh wait, I can do that. Like I remember that from from games. That yeah, exactly. exactly. It's like I don't like I I didn't know I could do that. So I went back. I told her like, no, this is as a design. I'm like, oh okay. 
<laughs> like, right, like, right. I know, I was like, oh man, like, had I known that earlier, I would have like, you know, racked my brain trying to figure this right. out. Sweat bullets over there. But yeah, that was always the, yeah, yeah when you get a game, it's just like, ah, yeah. oh, this is design. Just, just yeah. go away. Just go find the other things. Quit exactly, exactly. Stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. Find the big so, stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so we've been we've been doing just a distribution and you know, it's been interesting times just you know, obviously with COVID and everything. Um, right, you know, yeah. you know, the, the film has gone through the film festival circuit, but you know, they're not physical mm-hmm. festivals, they're all online yeah. and such. So which is which South is great. Southwest, right? You, you yeah. Were premiering there pre COVID, right? So yeah, exactly. And then that hit and when that happened with South by I had so many people contact me say, Oh my god, you must be feeling like hell or you must be gutted by this mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was weird because i was so happy to just get into south by that was not planned you know and so yeah. it's it's kind of like i was happy you know it's kind of like when a movie is just happy to be nominated it for an oscar like for right. me right. it's happy that i got in south by and so when that got canceled i was obviously disappointed but I, like yeah. but a weird part of me was like okay you know what it's you know i'm just happy it's gotten this far so mm-hmm. <laughs> so when people were telling me that i should feel horrible about it I felt like, <laughs> my God, am I a fraud for not feeling that horrible about right. it? You know, so, you're like, I already won. I got yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so, yeah, maybe gravy to go down to Austin. Yeah, know. and that's the thing. So it's like, yeah, it, it would have been a great trip. But, but the flip side, of, well, that's the flip side. But the the plus side about all this is that um, it got into a ton of film festivals after South by because once South by put its branding on it, it was like yeah. you know, a bunch, you know, so it got into a bunch Validation of film festivals. Again. Yeah. Boom, boom, so all boom, yeah. Boom. So all summer it's been in film festivals, and so now we're we're about to. Uh, uh, launch on virtual cinema with Alamo Draft House, and then there's a uh, quite a few independent cinemas that are also going to be uh, showing it. So we've been getting that uh, ready to go, and then just uh, on my okay. own, uh, just trying to figure out what the next documentary is going to be. And uh, and I have a, you know, a few different ideas, but it's hmm. you know it, it's one of those things where it's like you know some of them are video game related, some of them are like pop culture and stuff, and just trying to figure yeah. out you know just figure out what's that. It's kind of want to expand my reach a bit. Well, that's cool too. It's not like, well, been there, done that, done, right? Like, like yeah. you, uh, you want to continue to refine this and get better at your craft and try different stuff. So, no, that's yeah, that's exactly. Cool. Yeah, I just my wife was like, you know, well, you're gonna do another one, you know, and then uh, <laughs> like, I learned I, so much, it'd be so yeah, much well, easier well, around too. Yeah, well, that's exactly that's what you know. That's exactly it. Is because I went to film school. You know, I, yeah, I, like I kind of got right. into video games by accident, and so you know, my the, the way I looked at it was like, hey, this was basically grad school for me for filmmaking, and <laughs> if I don't do something with all the crazy stuff i learned like then it i know i feel i feel like yeah i feel like it would be a waste exactly and so there's just Mm -hmm. so many things that you can't learn in a classroom you know you can't learn through youtube videos and things like that there's just sometimes you just got to make things and go through the pain of it to really get that deep learning and and that goes obviously Mm -hmm. with any type of medium and so you know i felt like i just gained a lot of knowledge you know, I should be capitalizing on. And then there's, you know, and I'm sure there's a whole new set of problems I'm going to run into, you know, also. Right, yeah. But, yeah, um, but for myself, I think it would be a shame not to, you know, not to kind of uh, take it to the next stop. You get the uh, insert disc, electric boogaloo part two, mid, uh, <laughs> the year 2000. Oh my God. To, yeah, to 2009. You, you, got, yeah, you or somebody <laughs> from that, you know, from that group needs to do something 
because uh, I would I would love yeah. to know what the hell happened in 2000 because I thought the 90s were crazy but like I know enough of you guys from the 2000s that I've heard story and it's kind of like like really like what the <laughs> hell happened after I left like all hell right, right. You know? <laughs> right. Lord of the Flies crazy, crazy. Yeah, yeah exactly exactly yeah, yeah. but yeah it, you know I talked with John Vignocchi and Adam Boyd and stuff <laughs> and you know they, they would tell me things it's like so you see this thing was it was crazy yeah, it was off the hook yeah <laughs> exactly it's exactly but I, I think one of the and and, and definitely, you know, tell me if I'm wrong on this, but I think one of the okay. weirder things that seemed to happen in the 2000s, from what I gathered, was a lot of upper management came in that had no business working in video games. Yeah, you know, and I think in the nine, yeah, I think in the nineties <laughs> it was different because it was most everybody had come from a video game background from the eighties, so they had like you know right. some knowledge, or if they didn't have the knowledge, they stayed away. You know, you know what I mean? Right. They didn't yeah, they didn't yeah. feel like they can tell Mark Chamel or Red Boone what they should be doing. It was just kind of like, yeah. yeah, tell tell us when the game is done and we'll like market it. <laughs> That's it. You yeah. Know? But yeah, at least in the two thousands and from what I had heard, it seemed like just like a, a bunch of, you know, carpetbaggers came in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was just um well, you know, it's always been this weird like yeah, I, I was at uh, Viacom New Media, right? So a big media yeah. company, yep. and it was Icom Simulations, but then it became Viacom New Media, which division of Viacom, 1515 Broadway, MTV, Beavis and you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then th there's this kind of thought that all media is the same. So mm. video game, what's the difference from a TV show? And you can have somebody that does this thing for uh, MTV or Nickelodeon and then do the same thing for video games. And eh, maybe not, right? So there's kind of like this um, thought that uh, those worlds are overlapping and sometimes mm. they do and sometimes they don't. So, so yeah, there were people... You know, luckily there were some some steady folks there, still like you know Kenny and stuff like that. But but yeah. at a higher level, you know, after Neil was gone and things like that, it was like, um, what? Like, <laughs> what, what? What? What is your background? Yeah. So it was, uh, and then people would get kind of hung up on uh, slogans and catchphrases. Yeah, and they were just kind of grabbing for straws. And at that time, it was just like, we're just gonna dig the moat around Mortal Kombat and just do our thing. And, and yeah. Just, go from there so um yeah there was some, some definitely weird times back then for sure <laughs> i'll leave it at that um <laughs> so kind of pivoting like technology wise like like what are your thoughts around ar vr mr yeah you know i'm sure anything i predict is going to be completely wrong about because i think everybody's been wrong about ar and vr Virtual boy is going to be huge yeah, yeah exactly i mean it, it, it's it's interesting i i mean i you know believe it or not i think the most used gaming device in my household is is my oculus quest um, and then mm. probably the switch is probably a very close second, you know, but yeah. like, you know, my kids love the, love the quest, uh, a lot. And I, I, and I really enjoy it a lot too. So I yeah. like that, you know, but gaming wise, I just, I still have a hard time with VR and in terms of like a mass market gaming thing. But, uh, you know, for me, I think, yeah. I think VR in particular with headsets, you know, is really, you know, for me, it's in, it's less about entertainment and and i think there's a whole other market for it um you know obviously there's mm -hmm. you know training simulations there's educational markets i think there's a lot of things and i think yeah, to me it's mm -hmm. I, I almost felt like it was a bit of a misstep to keep trying to push vr as gaming i think it yeah. just gave it the wrong impression and i just felt like you know if they kept it more as this high-tech solution for businesses or science research and things like that that just happens to play games if it went from that type of market to and then trickle down to consumer i think it would have been better than what they're trying to do now which is trying to make it and you know an all-in-one entertainment for everybody i just you know i think yeah. a lot of people just aren't super comfortable with, with vr 
Um, mm-hmm. AR, I think AR, once it becomes something where it's, it's a comfortable pair of glasses that are really light that you can, you know, that then you can see the world with, I think that's right. going to win, you know, be one that takes off. I hate the whole AR with, you know, using your phone or tablet. It's just not fun to do. Oh yeah. Now, yeah. Just you know, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, technology wise, I think it's great. I think there's some really great things that you can do with yeah. it. And obviously things like, you know, Pokemon go, you know, really brought that to the masses and everything, but it's, it's such an, mm-hmm. it's such a outlier compared to what's right. out there. And so, but I think again, the, the technology I think is great. I just think that the idea of using your handheld device is a bad idea, but I think, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, once you have a pair of glasses and it just becomes seamless with your world, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to hold something. I think that's when it's really going to take off. So, yeah. but I, I love, you know, in general though, I love AR and VR, you know, the, the work I'm doing now is I, I hesitate to call it MR, but you know, it, like we just call it like, Hey, you know, it's VR without headsets. You know, I love immersive, big screen immersive experiences. And, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a lot, there's a big push with that um, across the, you know, different areas. And so I've been playing in that space for, you know, for like the last couple of years now. And yeah. again, I'm probably going to be like, you know, five years from now, from now someone's going to listen to this and say, man, you were like so stupidly wrong. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> You're way off. Yeah, it's way off. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah, like the magic leap, you know, as cool as the tech is like at that price point to aim it at yeah. the consumer and be like, yeah, exactly. give me 2,500 bucks and walk around with this hockey exactly. puck strapped around your, yeah. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, for something like that. And even with like HoloLens, which is really impressive stuff. You know, the, the problem is, it's like, they, you know, they on one end, they're saying that, hey, this is you know, basically a $3,000 dev kit that's not made for the consumer. But then mm-hmm. they're showing things that are very game related that make it seem like it is for the consumer it's a very mixed messaging i think that's i think that's where magically kind of fell into some trouble because then when Mm -hmm. they came out with oh here now you can buy it and it's three thousand dollars even though they call it dev kit people look at that and say i'm not gonna pay three thousand dollars for you know for something that i you know that has limited abilities um so the the messaging is just it seems like super super mixed on that you know in the enterprise space and other space it's it's super valuable. And, yeah, and there is exactly. some there's some cool stuff that Level X and our you know our parent company Brain Lab are doing together. Uh, yeah. you know, for neurosurgeons and doing pre-visualization before yep. going in for um, you know, surgeries, uh doing brain surgery and stuff that you can really do in that space in a unique yep. way that uh is powerful and useful versus just you know, porting something uh for the consumer side yeah. to that device and then thinking people are going to spend the money for that. So um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think Microsoft was really smart with HoloLens too in concentrating on enterprise, you know, because when the first HoloLens came out, yeah. it was just like, they were showing just like really cute, whimsical things and stuff like that. And, and, you know, and it's all, you know, everything's a learning lesson. So, but it's, I think it right. just, people looked at that and I think they were expecting something way more than what was, what it was technically possible in doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but I noticed with HoloLens too, they kind of figured out who their audience really was and uh, right. yeah, it was a much smarter move. Cool. So like, where can people find you online? Like your website, Twitter, uh, insert coin website, stuff like yeah. that? The, uh, so yeah, I mean, the, you know, for the film itself, uh, it's insertcoindoc.com. So insertcoindoc.com. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay. where it's getting updated with uh, the latest info in terms of like where it's screening um, how to get access to it, you know, film festivals and things like that. So, so is that in, in theaters or, or, uh, video on demand or Yeah, it's, or? it's both. So it's gonna, it's okay. right. Yeah. The, the first launch is with, you know, they're calling them virtual cinema. So Alamo draft house, obviously have theaters all over the country. 
Um, but they're also doing virtual cinemas. So you basically, you can buy your tickets through Alamo Drafts House site and gain yeah. access to see the film, you know, from anywhere, you know, from, you know, at home and such. Um, there are a okay. few theaters uh, around the country that are also going to be showing theaters that are open. And so, the, right. so all that information is on the website. And then on Twitter, it's insert coin doc, or I should say at insert coin doc. And then mm-hmm. for and then that's the same for Instagram, insert coin doc. And then for mm-hmm. myself is Josh Y T S U I on uh, on Twitter. And I'm fairly active on Twitter, but I yep. like you know I talk mostly about food and complaining about living in the suburbs. <laughs> so so that <laughs> so you might yeah your mileage may vary on your enjoyment on that account. Yeah yeah no I uh, we follow each other on Twitter every once in a while. I'm like yeah I sat there and ate a whole box of Cheez Its watching. <laughs> exactly. the- watching cnn with the politics and <laughs> yeah. trying not to lose my mind so yeah, like, hey. exactly exactly yeah so I, I try not to drunk tweet you know but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah the next day, like did i say that shit delete, yeah delete, exactly delete. exactly yeah but uh, uh but yeah no it, uh, so the, you know those are the best ways yeah and, yeah i don't really do facebook a whole lot and such but right. there is a yeah, insert coin documentary page on uh, facebook also just to people out there because this will be coming out hopefully right around when the movie's released and obviously people will be listening to this after it's been out should check it out like i i really enjoyed it i like i said i learned some stuff that i didn't know and uh having been at midway and you know it's a great story and it's just uh to understand the power of of gaming and and what kind of position midway was in and like how arcades you know were right at the heyday and then they crashed and how they came back and and the the people behind them and the stories um if you're into video games at all you should totally check it out yeah thanks yeah no it's uh it was a crazy times you know? <laughs> yeah it you know hats off to you for putting what you know five years of your life into this and uh as you shared it, it was not an easy endeavor and um it's cool that it's there right like it, it's time stamped there's there's that thing now um so that people can enjoy it yeah. now and 20 years from now and uh the, the stories need to be told so it's cool that you did that oh thank you very much Thank you, Josh. Uh, Have a good night. Thanks. You too. Great talking to you as always. Thanks for listening to this episode of Game Dev Advice, the Game Developers Podcast. Go to the website at gamedevadvice.com and you can find the show notes along with show notes for all the other episodes. Please also check out the new Patreon page at patreon.com backslash gamedevadvice. Have a lot of options up there for how you can support the show. Again, that's patreon.com backslash game dev advice. Thanks again for listening and being part of the show. Take care. Bye-bye.